This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a clean and classy life. Two bits of business before we get to today's show. First, you can still grab the Boomeritis BS report at plantyourself.com slash Boomeritis. If you or anyone you know is in their 50s or 60s or beyond and is worried about continuing to work out and exercise and play hard and exert and all that because all the doctors are telling you you got to slow down, well, largely BS. So you can check out the Boomeritis BS report at plantyourself.com slash Boomeritis. The second order of business is money. An executive summary, if you are not a patron of the podcast and you have the spare cash and making a monthly contribution isn't going to put you on the edge of disaster, it would be great if you get weekly value from this show for you to give back. And here's the thing. The uh, economics of podcasting is changing rapidly, but basically most of the podcasters I know make their money through advertising, advertising on their sites or having sponsors for each show. A lot of podcasts that I listen to have five or even 10 minutes of ads at the beginning or the middle or the end. And I totally get it. And that is a totally valid way to make money. The trouble is with this podcast, I often present controversial material, people who are out of the mainstream of the medical and psychological and nutritional um, camps. And therefore, a lot of the sponsorship that I could get, I'm worried would make me compromise a little bit, maybe in ways that I would totally justify and maybe in ways that you wouldn't even notice. But if I'm sponsored by a food company or even something like Vitamix. And then I, I start reading this evidence that maybe smoothies aren't such a great thing. And I don't want to have that person on the air because of Vitamix. I don't even know what it is, but I don't want to have advertising. I don't want to have affiliate deals with the people I bring on the show because then I'm just looking for the people who can bring me the most money. I, I get approached now roughly twice, three times a week by people pitching themselves as guests on the show. And a couple of them have been really interesting from a growth of the podcast perspective. One is a guy who founded a, um, a company that I guess does um, sort of sports nutrition and training protocols for, for people who want to build muscle. And they've got like a million followers on Instabook or Facegram or something and, you know, huge numbers and lots of followers. And we didn't have to talk about the fact that they're really into animal-based nutrition. We could have just stuck to, you know, push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. And it would have been a fine interview. And I probably would have doubled my subscriber base. About a month and a half ago, I got pitched by a famous doctor author, someone use, whose name you'd recognize, who is mostly, you know, in favor of sort of the plant-based idea, but he promotes fish oil and he's got a bunch of other things that are a little iffy. And the person who contacted me on his behalf was from an industry, from a, uh, was a, a rep for an industry that he's behind. And it just, it just didn't feel right. And again, this was going to be a huge boost. This would have, this would have given me 10, 20,000 more subscribers possibly. And I, I said no to both of those because they didn't feel like it was going to be the best thing for the show and for you, the listener. So that leaves me with one way of getting money for the podcast, for the, the 10 to 15 hours I put in every single week. And that is getting it directly from you, directly from the listeners. So, you know, you're the only ones who can reward me and you're the only ones who can fire me if enough of you decide you don't want to listen anymore and I, my numbers start dropping then I'll know it's time to, to stop podcasting. In the meantime, I would love for this podcast to be a sustainable endeavor for me. And the two ways I make money off of it are people who find out about me and then hire me as a coach or sign up for one of my programs. And that's awesome. And that's a, that's a huge help. However, if that's not you, if you don't need my help and you just enjoy the podcast, then I want to ask you, 
to contribute a little something, even if it's just a dollar a month, which comes to about 25 cents an episode, that makes a difference. Right now on Patreon, I'm getting 136 dollars a month and it's 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 beautiful to see those names and it's beautiful to know i'm getting that support but i really need a lot more in order to make this podcast something that i can sustain over time and continue to make better to have better sound quality to be able to travel to speak to guests to be able to be face to face and to be able to expand my promotion so that more people in the world can hear this valuable message so if you're able, if it's not going to be a hardship, please go to plantyourself.com, click on the Patreon link, and make a statement that you value this type of content that comes to you free of any sort of commercial pressure, coercion, or interference. Thanks a lot. Now, today's episode features Alon Sivier. Alon is the customer experience manager at a company called Home Biogas. And what they do is they allow you to make biogas at home. And their mission is not so much to help us in the West, but to spread this technology around the world, especially in places, rural Africa and other places where cooking with wood is environmentally damaging and bad for health and expensive. And it's kind of a magical thing. We got a home biogas unit last year as, as a very generous gift from a friend of mine who had supported their efforts on Kickstarter, and I put together the unit, and it's just amazing. I put in kitchen scraps and water, and I get out an incredibly rich uh, liquid fertilizer for my garden and methane that I can then hook up to a stove and cook my food with. And in terms of reducing methane emissions from compost and animal manure and in terms of making people's lives better, this is a game changer of an innovation. So I was very happy to get alone on the podcast to talk about what they're up to and what biogas is and the benefits of it and all that. Again, if you go to homebiogas.com and you buy your own, I get absolutely zero money for that. This is not uh, a paid commercial. It's just me really excited about a, an environmental technology that I think has the potential to change a lot of lives around the world. The recording quality for this podcast is good. However, Alone has quite a thick accent. So when he says metan, he's talking about methane. And I think the rest of the stuff you'll probably figure out as it goes. So without further ado... Alon Sivier, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're we're here to talk about a uh, a new technology. It's really kind of an old technology that you've given a new spin to. Um, it's home biogas. And bef before we get into it, can you just talk a little bit about yourself? Introduce yourself to to our listeners and tell them, uh, you know. Your, okay. your sort of your your journey to where you are now. Okay, uh, so my name is Alon Sivier. Uh, at Home Biogas, I'm the customer experience manager. I'm in charge of customer support. Um, originally, my profession is uh, I'm an information uh, systems engineer, and I have an MBA. I used to work in the high tech uh, industry, in a company named Amdocs. And uh, I got in love, you know, with uh, sustainability and environment. So uh, about uh, two years ago, I decided that I leave the high-tech world and I seek for uh, new opportunities in other worlds, uh, mainly in the sustainability world. So I worked a bit in... Um, I, I, I tried to start uh, one startup of myself about efficient driving. Uh, I volunteered in... Eco cooperative that uh, worked on the wind turbines um, then I worked in uh, in guiding people on how to separate uh, wet waste from uh, dry waste okay organic waste and from here and there I got to on biogas after I bought one system for myself and when I took it I asked uh, whether they need more people and I s they said, told me yes and it was a good fit because we needed somebody that uh, knows you know a bit the computer world and also is a fan of uh, a fan of uh, environment and sustainability, 
and since there I'm uh, at home biogas for the last uh, okay. eight months. Great. So, so you started out as a customer and then you uh, sort of exactly. um, made, made your way into, uh, into the, this, the world of the company itself. So let's let's talk. I want to talk about you know the the home biogas unit, but first let's can we just talk about the basic technology because this has been around. I mean, it's it's a biological system. Can you talk about like what what is biogas? Okay. Um, for treating organic waste, we actually have two methods. One of them is uh, aerobic uh, aerobic digestion, and the other one is anaerobic di- digestion. Aerobic digestion is what we all know, which is compost. That means uh, it's putting organic waste, uh, you know, with, that has uh, outside, that has oxygen, and put uh, dry leaves on it, and then there is like a process where uh, compost is created. The other way to treat organic waste is without oxygen, which is anaerobic digestion. In this process, we actually take the organic waste, we put it in water with bacterias, okay, bacterias from animal manure, and the bacterias digest the uh, organic waste and produce uh, biogas, which is actually methane. And then this methane can be used for cooking. So this is actually the technology which is used for biogas. Okay. So we um so it creates this the the methane and so the the food scraps that you put into the unit it is sit, sitting in a in a in a bladder or a tank of water and the bacteria go to work and create a gas that you can use for for cooking the same way you'd use propane or natural gas or anything else that's that's sort of the basics right yeah exactly uh, the in the process biogas is created biogas is another type of gas in addition to natural gas and lpg uh, the difference between the gases is lpg is very uh, concentrated natural gas less and biogas even a little bit less and therefore we usually needs different uh, different stoves to operate okay so you you were interested in sustainability um and the environment what about this technology appeals to you what's what makes this sustainable um you know i've uh i hear bad things about methane right that it's a greenhouse gas it's very very concentrated so help me understand how this is actually uh, a good thing for the environment Okay, so the, the major problem with uh, organic waste is uh, we, fo- we throw it uh, to the garbage, then it's going to, uh, it's being thrown somewhere, okay, uh, in Pitol, Latwin, and then over there, with time, it releases methane, okay? It's like a fermentation process that happens to organic waste, releases methane, which goes up to the air, and this, this gas contributes much more than CO2 to the greenhouse effect. Um, we say like about uh, 12% of the, ga- of the greenhouse effects is due to methane, releasing from, uh, from garbage, from organic waste. Now, we actually take this methane, which is released, we let it release inside of our system, and we use this gas instead of releasing it to the atmosphere. So in this way, we, you know, we help the world because uh, we don't contribute to the greenhouse uh, effect, which causes temperatures to go up. Now, additionally, one of the things about uh, sustainability, it's also another thing which I learned and studied, it's permaculture, which is a, per- a permanent agriculture uh, method. And not only agriculture, where you where you use everything everything in in some ways. Like with with organic waste, we put we put it inside of our system. It creates a gas which we can cook with, and it's also create a fertilizer from the other side of the system which we can grow food with. After we grow food, and after we cook, we again have organic waste, and we again put it in the system. So it's like a circular process okay where we don't 
where we don't throw things to the garbage. Everything stays inside of the system. So this is what uh, on biogas has to contribute to environment and to sustainability. Uh, so so we, when you have a system where there's a, a, a waste product at the end that has to be stored somewhere, that's, that's inherently unsustainable, right? No matter how much you have coming in, at some point, if, if it's not being reused, it's a, it's a linear system. And what you've created is a, a circular system where, where literally it can, it, can, it can keep going forever because there's, there's, no, there's no outputs that aren't put back into the system. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah, exactly. It's also like, you know, we have recycling here. Many places in our world, uh, we use recycling. And sometimes people think that recycling is, you know, that that's this is being green. But usually for recycling, and uh, you know, some places they even create energy from gas, gasification, things like that. So you need to use a lot of energy in order to recycle. So when you use the own biogas, it's not working on electricity. It's all biological. You don't put energy in order for the process to happen. And this is what is uh, unique about it. Okay, most of the things uh, people do in the Western world, they need energy in order to, you know, to reuse the, the to reuse the material. You have this this uh, technology um, that you 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 kind of discovered and you've created. What what's the? And I know you know you had a Kickstarter campaign and you're tr- like you're trying to put this out into the world, into into rural communities, into into poor areas. What's the what's the benefit or what's you know what's what's the benefit to a community to start doing this instead of just if they have some cows or goats to just sort of you know let this put put the manure out onto the field or just put it into pits and and let it rot what, what why would a community benefit from having some of these units okay um first of all uh, the organic waste the manure or the regular organic waste when it, when you put it outside it's a, it creates a bad smell, okay? It's not, it's a bad sanitization. Um, so in, in places where they don't pick up the waste, it's, it's, a, it's a hazard near, near the house. That's first of all. Um, so the system gives a solution that you can throw the waste inside. The second thing is about what we said about uh, methane, methane, that if we throw it away, and not in our house, it creates a, um, <coughs> sorry, it, it helps like, it creates gases that affect the, the green, that help the greenhouse effect. And the last thing is um, that when we use regular gas for cooking, which is usually LPG or natural gas, it's actually like using oil. Okay, because it's something which, uh, which we found uh, in the ground that was created uh, millions and uh, billions years ago, and we use it once and it disappears. And biogas, on the other end, instead of using these resources that we need them for a lot of other stuff, and hopefully we will not need to use them because we'll find replacements. So biogas uses what we eat and stuff we use in order to create gas, so we don't use uh, unrenewable uh, resources. So it helps you in... uh, treating your waste, denying uh, sanitization problems near your house, using again the waste for a gas be, be instead of using LPG or natural gas. And, uh, and another thing is the fertilizer. It also gives you fertilizer that you can use for your garden. And also fertilizers are usually made from unrenewable resources. So it has a lot of benefits, uh, a biogas system for your, for your house and for your living. So let's talk, let's talk about the fertilizer because, you know, I've, uh, so we've switched. We now take our kitchen waste and we put it in our home biogas unit, whereas before we had a compost pile and we would, you know, walk the kitchen waste to the compost pile. And, you know, after 18 or 24 months, we would have good compost. Or if I, if I decided to do like turning it every three days, we could, we could get it in a month, a month and a half. So now I'm taking all these, this, um, food waste and putting it into home biogas and out comes a liquid. So what's, what's in the liquid and how is it different? 
from the compost that would take me, you know, one and a half to months to two years to make. Okay. So first of all, you, you pointed out one thing which I haven't talked about, which is when we use aerobic digestion compost, it takes, as you said, one and a half months to three months, sometimes even more, depends on the weather, in order to create compost that I can use. Now with organic waste, I, I put it today, tomorrow I have gas. So it's very fast till I, till I get something for my waste. Now, the fertilizer itself, it's not like compost, which compost is, you know, it's a, it's good, uh, it's a good material for your garden that you can put uh, once in every few months and help your, uh, your plants. But it's more like a liquid fertilizer that people put all the time to their gardens in order to improve their, uh <coughs> sorry, in order to improve to improve what they grow. So every day or two, we take the fertilizer, we put it uh, one to five with water, and we just put it on our garden, and it gives a lot of uh, minerals to the, to the garden. Why it gives minerals? Because the, the liquid that comes out of the system is actually composed from all the minerals that come from the food. Okay, food have minerals. So all of these are going to our garden. That's the reason it's a, it's a nice fertilizer that can help our garden. But it's a bit different than compost. Uh-huh. And so one thing that, that concerned me is, you know, so I've got, I, I started out with, uh, you know, 100 pounds of cow manure and then water to fill it up. And should I be worried that the, the, the liquid fertilizer coming out is going to have pathogens in it that I shouldn't be putting on food crops? No, you don't, you don't need to, bo- to be worried. First of all, because it comes from uh, animal manure, so animal manure doesn't have uh, pathogens that can harm uh, human beings. And additionally, we have a, a chloral tablet that is installed on the, on the exit of the fertilizer, uh, which kills any pathogens if, if something is left. And then we can use the fertilizer with no problem. Gotcha. Have you, have you, have you run any... Um you know, experiments or, you know, comparing what gr- growing with or without this liquid fertilizer? Yeah, we run experiments in our, uh, in our company and also our customers. We use it all the time. So the fertilizer really helps the garden. It's not that uh, you use only fertilizer. It's like uh, something you add to your garden. It just helps, helps you know, the plants grow better. That's all. It's not... Uh, it's not that uh, without it, nothing will grow, and with that, everything will grow. It's just something that, you know, helps your, uh, your garden. It's the same like a regular uh, liquid fertilizer, which, you know, if you don't put, so your plants will grow, but will grow slower, and with the fertilizer, it will grow faster. faster. But mm-hmm. we, did, uh, we did a lot of experiments in our, uh, in our offices, and uh, if you want, I can send you some uh, pictures of what we Yeah, that would be great. This. Yeah, no problem. Um, so the right now, so we have, we have the, you know, the unit in our backyard and we've got the, the long yellow hose for gas. Now we just hook it up to like a Coleman stove, you know, uh, it's a pro a propane stove and it's, it seems to work, but this isn't something that you can replace your, your kitchen at home. Is it? Or like. Like who, for who? For whom is this practical to start to really start replacing your use of fossil fuels with biogas? So, most of our customers use the the gas of the system at their own kitchen. Uh, the gas is sufficient for up to two burners, and because the system, you know, works on organic waste, so we have to have some backup to the system, as we don't we don't have organic waste all the time. So, for example, at my house, where I have the system, and now we're uh, customers as well, I use about 90% of my, ga- of my gas is coming from the biogas and the rest from a regular gas stove. Now, the stove you need to use, it can be either LPG stove converted to biogas, which is just uh, uh, replacing the nozzle. It's pretty similar to what we do with, na- with natural gas in comparison to LPG. 
And, uh, and what we recommend our customers is either to, you know, usually you have like four burners at, at, at your kitchen. So you can put two of uh, gas, regular gas, and two of biogas, or two of electricity and two of biogas, and so on. Or if you want uh, a separate one, you can put like on your table uh, a tabletop stove with one or two flames. Uh, we also supply our customers if required the biogas stoves, which are compatible for biogas, where you don't need to convert them. These ones usually comes from China. Because as I said before, this is uh, where the biogas is, is really common, there and in India. So those are the options of uh, connecting the stove and, and using it. Sure. Um, now you, all, you also, I think, were, were raising money to, to either donate some or sell them cheaply around the world. Is, is that, am, I, am I right about that? We have we we have the systems. We sold most of most of the systems to the Western world, and we have also a lot of systems in uh, in Africa, mostly. Um, we we participated in some projects of uh, of organizations that contributed systems in large scale to to rural places. Because as you, you can ex understand from my from the benefits of the system in rural places when they, when the waste is not picked up and where they don't have fertilizer and where uh, there's sanitization problem and and where gas can can't be can't be reached they have a great value so we have people that donated money in order for us to send the systems to rural places we have organizations and so on and yes one of our goals is to to go to Africa, to more and more places. And we started that uh, in recent years. Mm -hmm. So where, where in Africa um, would somebody go to see you know, the, the most robust uses of your system? Um, in Africa, the most robust is actually in Rwanda, I think. But in Africa, we have it in several places. We just uh, uh, we send... Uh, we send systems to Kenya that uh, supposed to Kenya and Tanzania that were supposed to be sold to uh, customers by distributors. So we have in different places in Africa, but not yet in a, in a very large scale. The big projects we did was one in the Palestinian Authority uh, near Israel, and uh, one in the south of Israel. That was for. Uh, we saw like like hundreds of systems for uh, rural areas of Bedouins uh -huh. in the desert. This was with the European Union and the Paris uh, Peace Center from Israel. We had uh, two two big projects as that. Gotcha. Now, one one thing that I, I imagine is you know I, I spent a year in Africa and in in South Africa and because of all the sort of political and economic changes that had occurred the the rural zulu population near which we lived they had stopped gardening and farming right they they had jobs working either as laborers or in large monocrop fields and they had villages which was just sort of sand and dust and dirt and garbage and there was no gardens and i'm wondering if if i if you have a unit that every time you put in your garbage and you add some water to it fertilizer comes out does that kind of encourage people to start keeping a local garden that can that can help them with their own food security? Yes, uh, actually, in in uh, in Africa and in India, uh, the the liquid fertilizer sometimes is even more important than the than the gas itself. So it's really important to them because you have a lot of uh, little farms and people that grow some in the in the houses. So yes, liquid fertilizers is used for for these places, and it's really important, as they can't afford, you know, buying liquid fertilizer at the stores, usually for high prices. Um, so as, as you were, I know you, you, you joined the company um, not at the very beginning, but I don't know if you have a sense of, like, what were the, what were the, the design problems that you had to solve to create a unit that could, that could go, you know, where... You know, to very rural, remote places where there wasn't a lot of infrastructure, 
What, what, what were the engineers and designers thinking about when they first set out to, to create a, a modern system to do this biological process? Uh, so there were several things that uh, were sold over time. One of them is our system today is a DIY. That means do it yourself. So we can just ship it everywhere and people can install it themselves. Okay, they don't need uh, some company to come and do it for them. Um, other things are, uh, it's also, you know, you put it on the ground. You don't need to, to make a hole in the ground in order to put the system. So you don't, uh, it's really easy to put it. That was also a problem. Uh, I know there was problem with leaks. Many systems of biogas have a lot of leaks. And our system is made from materials which deny these leaks. Okay, pretty good. Another problem, in order to make it a DIY, we had to make it uh, very small. Okay, that can, can fit a box and from uh, specific materials. So that was also during the time, like at the start, we didn't have systems that we can ship very far, and now we can ship it everywhere. Um, also, the you know, to find the right capacity of gas which suits the family was also uh, an issue that we, we, we did some changes. And after, you know, some models, we got uh, to our model, which uh, was sold pretty nicely around the world. Mm. One of the things I found very elegant is that you know you so you have you have this big water bladder, but then you also have an empty bladder that collects the gas right on top of that. And if you want the gas to come out, it has to be under pressure. And I love that you you included these empty bags that I had to fill with sand. So figuring you know, in mo most parts of the world, there's there's sand or or dirt. So that you didn't have to include that in the shipping waste, in the shipping weight, and that anyone could could use this local material. I really, I really thought that was an elegant solution. Yeah, one one of the things which I forget to say in the, in your last question is also one of the problems biogas systems have is that the pressure is not stable of the system. Now, what what you described, it's also a mechanism to create pressure because. In regular gas and also in biogas systems, you have to create pressure on the gas so it will flow to the stove. So we wanted to create pressure in a mechanical way, right? Not with electricity, with compressors. So we use this, uh, what you described, it's blanket full of sand which sits on the tank gas and actually gives, gives it a pressure which allows it to go to the stove. And also, the way they are designed, they, they keep the gas pressure stable. Which is a yep. big advantage of the system. Great. So you've been putting these out into the world for what a, a year or so now. Yeah, the last model. We have models before, but uh, the last model that we ship ever, which is do it yourself. Uh, it's almost a year since the first system we shipped out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I know from putting it together and having questions. That you know, I reach out via Facebook or email, and I get a a very rapid response. So I'm imagining that you are you're very much in touch with your customers and your beta users. What have you learned from both from people you know like me in the West who who just have a unit and we're using it, and from rural communities and your pro the projects that you're running in Africa that are helping to to help you refine and create new new versions. Okay, we we learned that uh, you know the the end user needs a, a good solution for uh, for the stove. Okay, for the stove he uses. So we learned uh, which stoves we can supply to him and from where. We brought biogas stoves from uh, China, and we found in different countries stoves that can match the the system. We also found out that. Uh, that people don't always, uh, you know, read all, all of the instructions of the system. <laughs> uh, and, so, and because of that, uh, just lately we sent some, you know, like the, the Ten Commandments of the system, the must-knows of the system that people should put on their, uh, on their fridge just to know what they should do and how they treat the system. Um, 
I found out also that, you know, it's very important to people that we, we, that we can contact us and they can talk with us and to have, to have our help when, when necessary. Um, and also things that we, we, we would have wanted the system to do. Okay, that, uh, that they explained us. Okay, more than like if they, some, some people from some kinds need more gas. Some people uh, want to connect it to different devices. Things like that. So we... You know, we discover more about our market with the people, with, with their help, and we give them all the support we need along the way. Mm. So there's, there's something about the unit that it feels a little bit more communal than just me having a pipe into my home. And I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, if you're talking about kind of community gardens, people, you know, really, especially in these, some of these very impoverished um, neglected African communities where, where all of a sudden there's this sense of, of a little bit of pride and um, that they're creating something that they can use themselves. I'm wondering if, you, if you've seen any sort of social effects of communities and, uh, you know, just households using the home biogas system compared to the way they were before. I can tell you that I uh, will give uh, two examples. Like in the Western, in the Western world, uh, I mostly found people that were got like a bit of uh, somebody called his system uh, the answer. Like the, you know, it, it's like it's like give him a nickname. <laughs> gave him a nickname to the system. So people get a bit attached to this, and it's like, you know, it gives you pride that at your own home. You're actually producing gas. You know, it's not uh, it's not things something that people are used to. They are used to to buy gas from somewhere that it comes on a big truck, and suddenly, you know, they they get pride on on their own home that they they treat their own waste and they create their own gas and they garden the and they put the fertilizer on their garden. They they feel that like like they do something special. Even my wife, you know, when she cooks, uh, I I told her yesterday. What do you feel when you cook on biogas and not on LPG? So she tells me, you know, it's, it's tell me it's just a different feeling, you know. I, f- I feel proud that, that I'm doing it at, at my home. And now, uh, and I will give one, one example from, I can tell you about the Palestinian Authority. You know, we go to places where people are uh, pretty rural and they don't have the, the, the resources for, for a good gas. And uh, those systems, you know, it's became, uh, for them, it's like a miracle. You know, they have something. Suddenly they have gas. They don't need uh, to bring wood uh, to, to put on fire. They have a solution for all this uh, waste that uh, giving them bad smell outside because they don't have nowhere to throw it. So for them, it's like life-saving. And for people in the Western world, it's like, uh, you know, it's opening for them. It's opening their eyes, mainly. And gives them a good feeling. And also for their uh, families and uh, Families and for your kids, like my my son is two years old and he already knows what is biogas, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that issue of uh, of like the like the you know the wood that if you don't if you don't have gas, of course you're you're either going to burn you know the cow patties themselves or you're going to go and collect wood. And there's a lot of problems with uh, people in rural areas collecting and burning wood, isn't there? Yeah, actually the. You know, using wood for your cooking, it's actually pretty dangerous because of the smoke. So there is a lot of people are, are even dying from uh, too much uh, smoke inside of their houses. So for them, it's, it's really life-saving, a system like that can be. And of course, think about it, you know, the, the first time I was, uh, I, I've seen something about biogas was on a TEDx event. Uh, that that a group of students showed a project in uh, in Africa in, in Namibia or some, I think, and they saw that they put them biogas system and the same people that before that, you know, they walked like two hours in order to bring wood. So they just you know made made it on the on the animal manure of their of their animals. So they they saved about you know, two hours of going to bring wood each time. So just think about how, how it changed their life. And of course, we have a solution for all the animal manure they had there, which, which wasn't so good, you know, 
for, for what they breed along the day. So, you know, it's pretty amazing what a biogas system can give uh, people, mainly in the rural world. Right. And also I'm thinking like, you know, I just, I grew up in a society in which everything was linear. You bought it from the outside, you used it up, or, and then the waste products had to be carted away. And to, you know, when I discovered permaculture, it really blew me away. It was a totally different way of thinking about the world. It got me interested in gardening. It got me interested in different forms of recycling, of, of sort of elegant design. I'm wondering if when people get this unit and if they haven't had any of these thoughts, if it, if it kind of changes their mindset just because it's a different model of how we interact with our environment. I would tell that, I would tell you the, that most of our clients are, are coming from the green world, okay? So we usually know a bit about permaculture, but not, not all of them. And it is, you know, it's, it's mind-blowing for people like that. You know, when you tell it to people, they, they are quite amazed. Even people of permaculture, you know, compost everybody knows, and, uh, and you know, gray water everybody knows, and solar panels everybody knows and can, and can get. But when you talk about biogas, it's, some, it's suddenly something, you know, quite unique for people. Because usually... You know, as we said about compost, it takes a lot of time till you, you see the value of what you put in the compost heap. But in biogas, it's, it's, it's pretty immediate, you know, from day to day you see it. So it's quite of a mind-blowing to people. We are quite amazed, you know, it's something that exists for 100 years, but in the Western world, most of the people don't know it. And also in the developed world, even though it's, it's pretty common, still a lot of people don't have it, and when they have it, it's quite a miracle. So... Yes, biogas is something that uh, changes life for people. Now, wh one of the things that, uh, that I discovered from having this unit is that it slows down or stops in cold weather, right? Yeah. So, so obviously it would be, you know, it's a huge benefit in places that don't have winters, you know, a lot of sub-Saharan Africa, for example. But for... For someone who lives in a temperate climate where you're going to have a cool or cold winter, do you stop using it? Do you stop feeding the system until it heats up? How, how do you sort of know? Because you can't, you can't really look inside yeah. and see what's going on. So how, how, do, you, uh, how do you tell people to, to sort of interact with their systems when they're not sure if it's uh, cooking or not? Okay. So as I said, it's like it's a biological process. So it, it does have a limit of temperature that under uh, 20 Celsius and uh, 68 Fahrenheit, the system is, is doesn't work as it's supposed to be in, you know, above 20. What we do in these times of year is we put a, a water heater, like, like of, a, of an aquarium, aquarium water heater, which works on electricity, which helps the system to stay warm and still produce gas. Now, of course, that when I connect an electrical heater, it, you know, I use electricity. So I use energy to create energy. But it can give me, you know, like, a, it, can, it can give me the opportunity to, to have it working all over the year. And we always compare it, you know, to, uh, to people that use, a, how do I say it? Just a second. People, people that use like a water heater based on sun, okay, that creates hot water in their houses. Yeah. So when you don't have sun, what you do? You turn on the electricity heater, right, to create your hot water. Right. So if you look at it like, like you have hot water, you have gas, you know, in a biological process, so you say, okay. So uh, for two, three months uh, of the year, depends where you live, of course, but usually our customers are in, uh, in places which are warmer. Um, so for this uh, month of the year, I will use the, this electricity heater. And if I choose not to, so I just don't use the system, use my backup system and start to use it again when, uh, you know, when summer comes. The good thing about the system that even if you don't use it for, for half a year, you can come after half a year, you just need to start feeding it. Uh, you start with uh, half of the maximal amount for two weeks and afterwards you can continue to get gas normally. 
So, you know, you, we have a solution for that, but of course it doesn't work in each temperature. Right. So what are, what are uh, your plans for the coming year in terms of, uh, you know, re reaching out to, uh, to Western consumers and, and doing more uh, permaculture projects around the world? So all, all the time we, we increase the places that we get to. Like I can tell you that till now we, we sold systems to about 60 countries over the world. Okay. Um, about uh, Africa, our plan is, you know, to, to work with uh, distributors to get to more and more uh, countries. We, do, we started to work with some distributors and uh, all the time we find new ones to work in new countries. Uh, about India, it's also uh, something uh, like that. We we look for local partners to work with um, in order to, to spread uh, our systems over there. And over the Western world, which, you know, it's a bit different because it's a lot about uh, internet and a, a lot about uh, new technology. So uh, we look to, to sell it in more uh, channels, okay? Maybe it will be on Amazon, maybe... It will be in, in other big uh, internet sites. Maybe we'll, we'll sell it for big stores. You know, we, we have few, few, few directions to go forward. Because these days we sell the systems uh, in our website from bi on biogas.com. And uh, people also can call us and buy it, uh, you know, through a sales representative. So this is our directions in order to spread it around the world. Another thing is like uh, we work with a lot of uh, permaculture, permaculture farms in the U.S. and in other places where, uh, you know, uh, farms are buying systems from us and they are uh, and they kind of uh, resell our systems to people as well. So we have a few directions to go forward how to sell our systems. Great. So for someone who's listening to this right now and they want to find out more and get in touch and see the, the system, and, and I remember there, there's a really fun video, uh, like a, 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 a time-lapse video about how to set up the system. Where do people go right now to, to learn more? Okay, so to learn more, please go to www.onbiogas.com. No, Over there you have all of the necessary information, you have a knowledge center, you have answers, uh, frequently asked ask questions, you have a shop, you can also send, send mail to us at uh, info or support at onbiogas.com for additional information. So that's the, that's the way to reach us. Great. So that's home biogas, H-O-M-E-B-I-O-G-A-S.com. Yeah, exactly. Well, alone, it's been great talking to you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a happy user of of the system. It's it's so cool. You know, the other day, uh, after the winter, we we brought turned on the hose and uh, and put a match to it, and we actually saw a flame come out, and we were we were just thrilled like little children. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, I know I it works. I, I know it works, but it's still kind of miraculous <laughs> that it works. So thank you, and you know, give give our regards to uh, to all the engineers, everyone who's uh, who's still in the strategy meeting, and thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the Big Change Program led by me and Josh Lajani, visit BigChangeProgram.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 216. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 215 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. If you get the podcast but not the Big Change Bulldog, you can sign up and get the Boomeritis BS report. One more week for that at plantyourself.com slash boomeritis. All right, it's time for the thanks so big thanks to, and I got to say, I think there's too many names here to do it all in one breath, but I'll do the best I can, to Plant Yourself Podcast patrons, 
Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Heldman, Victoria Dolman, Ovalia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rams Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Santa Selby. Oh, I got to do Janet better than that. Another breath. Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzak, Jeanette Benham, Gila Lacert, David Donahue, Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruthann Funderburk, Michelle Rosen, Michael Warabek for your generous support of the podcast. And thanks, of course, to Will Ridenauer and musician extraordinaire for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at willridenauer.com. If you would like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media. You can write that review on iTunes. Man, that helps a lot. And you can, as I said earlier, become a patron of the show with a one-time gift or ideally an ongoing, a modest ongoing contribution over at plantyourself.com. You can make a one-time gift or ongoing contribution over at plantyourself.com. Just look on the right sidebar for the Patreon link in garden news we had a cookout the other day with plenty of denizens of the garden showing up to sustain us including a bunch of yellow squash and patty pans on the grill we had cucumber salad from some volunteers that were growing in our compost pile and pesto pasta with fresh basil from our garden in running news, I'm recovering. I'm pretty much recovered from the, the Leadville Marathon, and I'm now looking forward to a very informal, lots of loops, 52K run on the morning of my 52nd birthday at the end of July. So if you are in NC or you want to fly to NC and run with me and hang out as much or as little as you like, you can just sort of you know, do a loop, three miles, five miles, or you can do uh, many, many kilometers. Facebook message me or email me, hj at plantyourself.com. I'd love to see you there. That's it for this week. So as always, be well. <laughs>